This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. Amazon announced that they are going to spend $700 million to retrain about one-third of their U.S. workforce for more high-tech jobs. The move, announced last week, will be implemented throughout the company from corporate offices to their warehouses and cover around 100,000 workers. The e-commerce giant may see this as a way to combat the criticism coming from those on both sides of the political aisle on everything from its tax avoidance to the way it treats its workers. So what could the long-term impact be of this move? Matthew Bidwell is an associate professor of management at the Wharton School. He joins me in studio. And joining us on the phone, Ari Ginsberg, who's a professor of entrepreneurship and management at NYU Stern School of Business. Ari is also an affiliated professor of technology management and innovation at NYU's Tandon School of Engineering. Matthew, great to see you. Hi, nice to see you. Ari, great to have you with us. Pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me on. Thank you. Ari, give us your sense of this move in general. I think it's a good one. Um, I think uh, from a strategic viewpoint, the investment uh, is a huge one, is a very large one, and will enable Amazon not only to uh, train its force, uh, its workforce, uh, to basically get them into uh you know into the digital talent age it will and therefore uh i think it'll it'll have greater it'll it'll allow greater retention it'll facilitate greater retention and also uh make uh, recruitment easier because the need for this talent uh, will only grow and um it's going to be necessary for survival and by investing this large sum of money they they recognize this isn't simply a fad uh, that uh, and that investing this amount of money will actually give them a competitive edge over other companies like AT and T, and Walmart. Other companies are also investing. Matthew, but not at this oh, scale. Sorry, Matthew, go ahead. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's a, um, I think it's a shrewd business move. Um, I mean, obviously, in this labor market, companies are having a tough time recruiting, um, and particularly recruiting people with particular skills, so technology skills. Amazon's talking about robotics, AI, um, cloud computing, and so on. Those are reasonably scarce. So if you're Amazon, you're sitting there. It's one of the largest employers. Your needs are vast. And so you're trying to figure out how are we going to get these skills. Um, You can either wait around for other companies and universities to train people, but that's going to be quite slow. And also we know that hiring is always kind of a crapshoot. So... You know, a lot of the people you end up hiring are not going to work out. seems a much smarter idea to look at some of the people you know, some of the people who, you know, work hard, have a good attitude, good employees, and then help move them up into these kinds of jobs. But this also goes, I guess, somewhat counter to a a theme we've been hearing uh, involving companies and retraining in general over the last few years, that companies are worried about making that investment in retraining because then somebody could take those skills and go to another company. So does that potentially play in here with Amazon, Matthew? I think so. I mean, people, I think for about 100 years, this has been been the story about training has been the concern is if you give people training, and particularly the kind of training that Amazon's giving people in very general transferable skills. Yeah. That when you train people, the problem is either they leave or else the threat that they're going to leave means that um, they can demand much higher wages. 
and therefore they kind of eat away any of the returns that you have to training. I mean, I think over the last 15, 20 years, economists have got a bit more sceptical about that story. Um, it certainly is true as you train people, they're going to go into high wage, higher wage jobs and you're going to have to pay them more. But at the same time, um, what you see, like I say, hiring is expensive. It's also people tend to be pretty risk averse when moving jobs. It's hard for them to make a leap into the unknown. And so I think there's an increasing recognition among economists that as an employer, you will actually capture a lot of the returns to that training, even of fairly general skills, because the labor market, this is one of the areas where it's quite good that the labor market isn't perfectly efficient. Yeah. If the labor market was perfectly efficient, all training would be a bad idea. Yeah. But really, it's not, as anybody who's ever tried to hire anybody knows. <laughs> um, and because of that, actually, companies can capture a lot of these returns. And so, yes, you know, it's not like I can take somebody making $10 an hour, make them worth $20 an hour and continue paying them $10 an hour. But I still get quite a return on that training if I do it right. All right. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I think uh, I think Matthew has, has articulated um, the benefits quite well. I would I would just add that um, the um, when we're talking about the workforce in the next ten years, we're talking about the Generation Zs. We're talking about a workforce that's already fairly uh, tech savvy, or at least very um, you know facile with technology, and so um, they're actually more likely to be attracted and stay in a place where they can get the technology learning. And uh, if they're, for example, it's been shown that if, if they feel they're in an organization uh, where uh, they are not able to continue uh, learning in the ways they would like, uh, you know, basically cutting-edge uh, approaches to, to the technology that they're interested in, they will leave. They'll go to places, to other places, even if they get paid a little bit higher. So uh, that's one thing. I think the other thing is that we haven't mentioned um, is what I would call the morale factor. Uh, as as uh, as we all know, Amazon in particular has been under fire. Yep for basically uh, looking like it treats its employees as disposable, you know, basically hang around until we replace you with robots. Um, but meanwhile, you know, that's what you are. You're just basically, you know, uh, you, you're the best thing we can do until we get the robots in and until we automate everything. Uh, that obviously can have a, a morale, a lead to morale problems. And on the other hand, if you have employees that feel, look, um, the company is actually interested not in replacing us, but in in in, in uh, keeping us around because they will need us. So yes, for example, Amazon claims yes, we've you know we've 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 now have uh, two hundred thousand robots, for example, that we have, but we've also hired three thousand three hundred thousand people at the same time, meaning right. that. We're telling the people, look, we don't, we're not, we don't want to replace you. We want to upgrade you so that you can actually control these robots the way we need. And that's important for morale. And part of that is also the fact that it, it, the types of jobs that maybe some people had been hired uh, already in the past, from a wage perspective and a career perspective, maybe didn't have the path that, that probably a lot of other organizations might have. This may be a way to be able to try and open that door, correct? Yes, yes, yes. So as Matthew put it, I mean, all in all, you know, there, there are always risks with investments, but it, it's a good calculated risk in terms of the uh, – 
you know, the needs, the strategic needs of the, uh, of the company going forward. I mean, I think it's, um, it's worth recognizing the irony here that we're kind of saying here, guy, oh, this is, this is a great strategic move for a company to be doing what was probably routine 30 years ago. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, know, um, yeah. you know, train your employees. And, for the, you know, suddenly <laughs> it feels terribly space age now. Um, yeah, it, it's worth, I think, reflecting on why, um, why we're seeing this come back. Um, you know, maybe the pace of technological change, but, you know, Technology has been changing for the last 30 years as well. And, you know, we've gone through whole waves of computerization of everything. You know, I think probably part of it is um, being in a tight job, being in a tight labor market. Mm. You know, in previous periods, I think there probably was a sense it's not going to be that hard to find people. That's getting harder. I think some of it may also be, um, you know, one of the benefits of Amazon's size and business is it's not scared to make big investments. And I think yeah. one of the challenges right. for recently is kind of the CFO kind of looks at stuff and says, you know, how's this going to affect our next quarter's earnings? And Amazon has never been quite so prey to that in its other business. And I think that's turning out to be an advantage when it comes to managing people. That was going to be my next question, because with a company the size of Amazon and obviously, uh, you know, being the, the company that it is and the profitable company that it is, making an investment of $700 million, while that sounds like it's a massive investment to most of us, it is, I don't want to say drop in the bucket, but it, it it's almost to that path with Amazon. Yeah, it's not it's not a vast amount of money. Um, they will, I'm sure they will spend far more than that on many other investments that they make. Um, but it's a long-term investment and a reasonably shrewd one. But it really doesn't change, Ari, the path that Amazon will still go on on a company because if you watch a variety of the news reports about this this topic lately, they will go into Amazon warehouses and they will still see all of the robots that are in the process of moving packages around and moving you know, whatever it may be around. That part of the business is still going to be the same moving forward. I think it will be. But on the other hand, uh, while this is an important signal uh, to the marketplace, to workers that look, um, we don't, con- we were not looking at human beings at, at our employees as disposable and um, and looking at them in a callous way. Uh, there, there are still are these safety issues that they're going to have to address. Uh, you know. Um, you know, you have obviously uh, organizations like OSHA and others that look into these things and document these things, but I think from a PR perspective, uh, you know, uh, Amazon is probably going to have to do a little bit more to figure out uh, how to, um, you know, how to significantly reduce these these uh, serious accidents that, that they've had, and one of the and one of the. Uh, one of the claims about the source of these accidents is is that they have on the workers they basically have these productivity rates and goals that they have to meet and if they don't meet them because they simply have an accident it's kind of too bad they deny that but again it's a pr issue think, and oh. you know that that's that's a safety issue that I, that they still you know in in that that is not uncommon on factory floors and and and, uh, and warehouse floors, but they will need to address it. I mean, I I agree. I think it's um, you know these are tough jobs that they're hiring people to do. Um, I'm sure that the management of some facilities is higher quality than others. Um, yeah, I've never seen any sensible comparison of um, 
of what it's like to be a worker at one of these plants versus their competitors. Um, but yeah, it's they're they're demanding jobs, and I think not all of them are managed terribly well. I don't. I mean, there's an interesting question as to how much as to how much of this is a PR stunt versus yeah. reality. I. Mm-hmm. It, it seems yeah. like a good enough idea that I tend to think it's not a PR stunt, although I also suspect they're probably doing all they can to get some good PR out of it since they're doing it. The timing of it probably plays into a part of the belief of a lot of people with the fact that, as you both have mentioned, there's certainly a lot swirling around Amazon on Capitol Hill right now, and you have all of these issues of, uh, of workplace uh, environment. So the, the timing is is something that that I'm sure a lot of people will consider. I think so. And from my perspective, that's, I mean, it's an unalloyed good that as senior management of these organizations, you're starting to worry about this sort of stuff. Because I I think Uh I've I've Uh chatted with you about this before, Dan. You know, I think with the decline of unions and so on, um, workers have become disposable. Um, There has been, you know, a strong focus on just the bottom line without worrying too much about how I perceive it as an employer, it is very nice to see that this is now something that, you know, even if we don't have unions to hold people to account, um, employers themselves are starting to feel like they need to pay attention, that people are watching, and how they treat people matters. All right. Mm-hmm. I agree with Matthew. I, I don't. I don't think the primary goal of this move was was PR. Although certainly it helps from a PR perspective because of the timing. Um, you know, if it was just a PR move, we're talking about $7,000 per employee investment. That's a lot. Yeah. Um, and as Matthew said, yeah, they have deep pockets so they can afford it. But still, uh, you know, they're still not in the habit of, you know, making investments um, of that scale just for PR purposes. So, um you know, it, it does. It, it's that's why I said earlier that this will have a very positive impact from a PR perspective. I don't think that's the primary reason. I think it's primarily for strategic reasons. Uh, but um, and for and therefore, you know, they will also, I'm sure, be doing other things uh, to uh, you know dispel this this perception of of uh, this bad treatment that their employees are getting. Because in fact, I mean, you know, while while there have been a number of employees certainly that have said you know pretty bad things about you know, their experience in Amazon, a number of them have had very good experiences. Right. And uh, you know, from a PR perspective, I think. Uh, uh, they've already said, look, they've said to CBS, uh, CBS did a report, and then they said, look, you guys, you're welcome to come into our warehouses anytime. So that, you know, doing things like that where they're saying, you know, come on in and see for yourself, uh, that kind of PR, I think, is also going to be something they're going to need to do. But there's the element of this, uh, Matthew, and, and take note of the, the types of jobs that are going to be retrained. And it's been well noted in the notice from Amazon that it's not just the people that are working on the floors of the warehouses. They've said that this is also going to go up to the corporate side as well, yep. which makes you wonder what retraining is at the corporate level and, and and where it needs to be tweaked. And maybe part of this is because of all of the problems they've had in the past. I mean, at least part of the, I mean, the the accounts that I read of this suggested it's kind of, it's moving everybody a step up. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. I think, you know, this is where you're starting to see this digitization of corporations and so on really yeah. come into play, which is, you know, now in a number of the corporate jobs, 
understanding data becomes more important. If you're um, a developer, maybe we want to get you working on AI. If you're in other areas of you know, software, maybe we want to get you up to speed on web services. And so I think it's, you know, in many ways, I suspect if, there, if I was going to pull a PR stunt here, um, and I'm not saying this is what they were d- they're doing, but if I was going to pull a PR stunt, I might spend a lot of money on retraining my IT workforce while also yeah. making some stuff available to everybody else. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, exactly how this shakes out, how much is, how much of it goes to the warehouse workers starting to be trained to work with the machines, do some of the fixing of them and so on, and how much is kind of the higher end we can't hire people who do AI, so we're going yeah. to have to train our own. Ari, how much? I, I, go ahead. Yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Ask no, no go ahead. Go ahead. And I'll, I'll I, follow say, up. I, I, I agree, but I actually think that um, they're trying to differentiate themselves from what was traditionally referred to as uh, corporate universities. For example, you had Hamburg, Hamburger U, you had Motorola, you had uh, uh, G, you had Croton. Uh, a lot of those uh, training programs, uh, up, upskilling, now referred to as upskilling, were, were often targeted at uh, executives uh, or, or managers or white, white-collar uh, workers. And in part because uh, the goal was to get them more in line with the strategic needs of the company. And in some instances, there were perks. And instead of doing it externally, for example, some companies would send, would, would subsidize part-time MBA students and so on. They start to do it internally. Uh, this actually looks like it's being targeted at uh, more of the blue-collar workers, including including people that are that are actually just coming in. So, in other words, if you come into Amazon now and you're being hired, you may get this kind of training the first year that you're there. Uh, and um, you know, rather than something that is simply a perk uh, that you get later on, or something that is required because you're part of the you know, the, the leadership of, 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 the, of the company. Uh, so I, I think, you know, as Matthew pointed out, it's going to be very interesting to see the actual empirically, you know, how they're actually allocating the, 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 the training investment. Do you think that, and I would imagine any company takes notice of this type of a, a move, Ari, but do you think other companies are, are going to be watchful of what Amazon does here? Because this won't fit every company, but I'm sure that there are other larger companies out there that, that probably want to see what kind of uh, what kind of impact this actually has on Amazon. I, I think that's absolutely true, and that's another issue. Uh, the, the, the issue that, uh, when I say another issue, the issue is, do we actually, it's one thing to say we believe that this is going to have important uh, returns on investment. In other words, we have strategic needs here, and we make these calculations, and we're betting that it's going to, you know, it's going to uh, get us results that are bottom-line results. But are you actually going to measure that? So we're going to need to see metrics. I think one of the things that happened with corporate universities, et cetera, and it has also happened with programs like corporate venturing, the idea of saying, you know, it makes sense for corporations to have to incubate new businesses and all that. Uh, those are ideas that that um, can make a lot of sense conceptually. But it's going to be important at some point to have some metrics to say, OK, can we link this to actual bottom line results? 
I think companies are going to be looking at that. There's always in the business world a certain kind of faddishness that goes on where somebody sees a well-known corporation doing something and then, you know, then others follow uh, in terms of uh, that kind of investment. Obviously, they're going to have to have, it's going to be the companies that have the deep pockets that enable them to, to make the, you know, to scale uh, the kind of investments in, in um, these programs. But I think going back to your point about which companies also, this one of the major differences between this and and sort of historical training companies or corporate university uh, uh, centers or corporate universities that go back over 60 years is the focus on digital talent. Uh, there is an urgency to this to to this up up upskilling uh, that is is um, you know it's almost dire. The sense that you know we're not going to survive. Uh, because we really need this kind of these kinds of skills, you know. And as Matthew pointed out, we can't, you know, we, the pace of, of technology development is so quick. We just can't wait for another couple of years to get these skills from from schools, from universities, and so yeah. on. So those are going to be the companies. Uh, one, I think it's going to be important, you know, to see to look for some metrics of success. Uh, there are going to be some companies who are going to look at themselves and say, yeah, we also, you know, we you know, we we're, we're not going to we're going to lose productivity unless we unless we have these kinds of automated technologies working for us, and if that's the case, then we really need to follow suit. Matthew, yeah, I mean, I agree with Ari. I mean, I think a, one of the big benefits it does legitimise this idea. So if I'm sitting in HR in you know another company and I'm also wrestling with this problem of we can't get enough people with the right skills through the door. It's going to be a lot easier to go to my CEO, to go to my CFO and say, I think we should invest in training when I can say, look, Amazon, which may be mm-hmm. possibly the most respected company in the world, at least for its kind of execution. If they're doing this, then my argument that we should do it as well, I think, carries a lot more weight. Mm-hmm. It's conceivable. It puts, in, at least in some areas, pressure on people who are competing with them for talent. Right. I mean... The other thing that Ari said that I completely agree with is this is something that matters to people. I recently saw a survey of kind of a thousand um, thousand people um, nat- nationally representative about why they choose that chose their last job and what they would look for in their next. The number one was skills, um, and so if they can really make good yeah. on these promises as a place where you can come and learn to do better things, it's you know people are competing with them. For, for people will have to look at whether they want to match that. Is there is there any and you mentioned culture Ari before and and the impact that that something like this can have. If you go back, you know, longer enough, I'm old enough to remember the days where there was a sense of loyalty of working with a company and staying with that company for 30 or 40 years. Does this training potentially add a component to that? I think potentially yes. Uh I mean part of it will be uh, a function of the values that uh, you know the next wave of, of uh, employees entering the workforce uh, will bring into it. You know the the, the Generation Zs. Uh, in general, on the one hand, uh, you know it's said about them uh, that they're less inclined to you know company loyalty. They're just you know they they have no problem with jumping around. I think this has been said about the the Generation Xs as well. But the point is that uh, that said, I think there's no question that if they value uh, the learning skills that they uh, they can get in terms of technology advancement, 
that will have a positive impact on their loyalty. And I think it'll also, in particular, uh, have a positive impact on people that are coming in and uh, maybe don't have that that training. And for them, uh, it, it you know they're really, really they're benefiting in a way where they can see that that's something that um, you know will will really give them a career track they could never otherwise have. And that I think you know um, should should uh, increase the loyalty. Obviously, once again, we're going to have to look at metrics. I mean, we're going to have to see turnover statistics, right? And uh, but but there's every likelihood that they'll go in the right direction. How much more, whether it's a 20 percent uh, decrease or 50 percent increase or whatever it is, remains to be seen. Right. Yeah, I mean, I, we're obviously still a long way from a return to the job for life. Right. You know, I, right. I don't think we're going back to the 1950s model quite yet. Um, I mean, I think there's still a sense of very contingent loyalty on both sides, well, we're in a tight labor market, we'll do our best to hang on to you. But, you know, if the market turns down, all bets are still off. Um, so we'll we'll see what happens with that. But I think, yeah, certainly at the moment, HR executives everywhere are worried about turnover yeah. retention. And this is going to this is going to help with that. And so, I, you know, from that perspective, I think, you know, we've gone from a model where it is kind of very transactional. At the moment, companies are doing all they can to try and build that relationship, hang on to people. We'll see what happens when the economy turns down. Great having you both with us. Thank you, Matthew, for coming in. All right, great to have you you on the phone. Thank you, sir. Thank you. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.